Merry Christmas. Glad you guys are uh, here. It's going to be a great season for the next four weeks. Strap in. Uh, it is just Christmas around here. Uh, I, I, you know, usually you have like one Christmas service, but we like to just do it all month long. I don't think one week is enough. And so we kind of take advantage of Advent, and I hope you'll take the devotional and, and do that. And just, uh, just kind of sit and, and just remember Stop and, and think about the goodness of our God and our Savior and, and, and what this season just represents. So during Core Christmas, what I want to do is uh, we're going to do a series called The Road to a Promise. The Road to a Promise. Now, if you're new to church, um, I guess I should introduce myself first. If you're new, my name's Brad, and I'm the lead pastor. If I haven't had a chance to say hi to you or maybe you brought somebody with you, uh, my wife, Laura, and I will be back by the front doors at the end of the service. Please, please come by. We want to say we'd love to meet you and just, you're in a good place. You're, you're in a good place, a good season to come to church and find out why we all show up week after week because it's all about hope, healing, peace, and purpose that we have found in Jesus. It's our hope that you're going to find that same hope in him. And so I want to talk about this idea of the road to a promise. So if you're new to church, I don't want to um, just assume you know the Christmas story. That is something as followers of Jesus we should never assume. Uh, and the reason I say that is I'll never forget a moment that absolutely changed my life. I was 12 years old, and I was hanging out with my best friend. We were right out in front of his house, and I was on, I, I just, I visualize it. I see it in my head. I'm standing on the street. He's standing up on the curb, and we're talking about Christmas, and we're talking about the Christmas story. And I said, oh, you guys read the Christmas story? And he's like, yeah. And then come to find out through the conversation, the Christmas story to him was, "'Twas the night before Christmas.'" And all through the house, not a creature was stirring, which is a great story. I love that story. It's written by a pastor. It's a fantastic story. But I was like, no, 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 the other Christmas story. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, no, like in the Bible, and where Jesus born, you know, Savior of the world, Son of God. He's like, Brad, I have no clue what you're talking about. He had never been in church. He didn't know anything about Jesus. And from that moment on, I just said, you know what? There, I don't ever want to assume that people just know the story. So if you're new, we want to invite you into the story. So the, the, the story is just goes something like this, is that uh, God had promised that he was going to send a Messiah. And they'd been, uh, the Jewish people had been waiting on the Messiah to come. And Mary and Joseph, uh, they were chosen. They were given this promise that Mary would give birth to the Messiah. So what I want to ask and for us to think about for the next few weeks is what promise are you believing God for in your life? What promise are you believing God for? Now, in a room like this, there's uh, so many different promises we're all thinking about. For some of you, it is, it is actually literally the birth of a child, that, that you are hoping that you can ha get pregnant and, and, and have a child, and you're, you're trusting God for that, that promise, but it, but it hasn't happened, but you're still trying to trust and believe. Some of you are already parents and you've already got a family and you, you're trusting, your promise is that you're trusting God for the salvation of your child. Or, or maybe it's something about the relationship with your child that God would bring that relationship back together. Or, or the verse can be true of that, that as a child you're, you're believing in faith for the salvation of your, your parents or, or the reconciliation of that relationship. Or maybe it's in your marriage that, that it just, my marriage, for some of you that... It's just not so joyful, you know? Uh, the word that I see everywhere right now is the word joy, and every time you probably see that word, you know, not much joy in my home. 
And the promise that you're believing for is that God, God could bring some joy back into your, your marriage and you guys could actually be excited again about being together. Some of you are single. That's not your promise at all. Your promise is that, man, could God possibly bring me the right guy or the right lady? Could, could he bring me a godly man or a godly woman because the people I've been dating, it's just not working out for me? And I, could it, God possibly bring me the right person? And you're holding on to that promise. Some of you, it has to do with school, and, and, and you're in school, and school's hard, and, and you want that degree, and you're hoping for that degree, and, but it's difficult, and you're like, Am I, I thought this is what I was supposed to do, but can I, can I, I don't know that I can finish, and then you're, you're struggling with that, or maybe it's your career. I don't, there's so many different promises that God gives us. You're hoping for a promotion or, or, or maybe that just a little extra money to help you, and, and speaking of money, it's Christmas, and for some of you, it's a financial breakthrough that you're 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 holding on to. It's like, when you think about buying presents, you're just like, man, I, I, can't, I can't even put milk in the fridge, let alone presents under the tree. It's just, and, and you're like, is God ever gonna give me, are we ever gonna have that financial breakthrough? For some of you, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a health diagnosis. You just got a really bad report. And, uh, and it doesn't look good, and you don't know what you're going to do, and you weren't expecting this, and the holiday isn't so great. And can I, is God ever going to deliver me from this? might be a dream that you have, something that God might be birthing in you. Maybe it's a ministry that you think, I mean, can I really do this, God? And he's birthed this, this ministry in you. We all have a, a promise that we're believing God for, so what's your promise? Mary Joseph had been given a promise. So what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks is we're going to be talking about how we can see this promise fulfilled in our lives. So if you have a Bible, I want, I want to go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to be reading out of the uh, New Living Translation. So if you don't have a Bible on your phone, just download version. It's a great version of the Bible. I read out of the New Living Translation while you're uh, looking up Luke chapter 2. Uh, what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to look at three different roads that Mary and Joseph had to travel down in order to see the promise fulfilled. And if we want to see the promise fulfilled in our lives, we are also going to have to walk down these same three roads. Like you can't skip one of the roads. You, you got to be, you got to go down all three, okay? So turn to somebody right now and say, don't skip a Sunday. Do not skip a Sunday, okay? You, if you're believing for a promise, your butt needs to be in the seat every single week. And I promise you, if you will make that commitment, your 2018 is going to look a whole lot different. I believe God wants to speak to you and, and put dreams in you and change the course and direction of your future in just these next few weeks. And I believe that's going to happen for, for many of you. So if you want to see that promise fulfilled, we've got to walk down these three roads. So today, I want to look at the road to Bethlehem and the birth of a promise, the road to Bethlehem and the birth of a promise. So would you stand and stretch your legs a little bit? And I want to read Luke chapter two. Luke is this guy who was not one of the disciples, but he did write down all the accounts of Jesus' life. And this is, by the way, the Christmas story that I was telling my best friend about. I don't remember a Christmas in my 51 years on this earth that we did not as a family, read this story. I was honored and privileged to be like, I'm like the third, fourth generation Christian in my family. And I still remember to this day um, in my grandparents' uh, living room, sitting on my grandpa's lap. I got pictures of it. 
and he's reading the, the, the uh, Christmas story out of the good old King James Version. I mean, going old school. And, and I remember the pain of going, Grandpa, could you please get through this story? Because I want to open my gifts. And so we're only going to read a few verses. But I want to encourage you, make this part of your Christmas. If it's not already, Luke chapter 2, read the Christmas story on Christmas morning. Just take a moment to breathe it in and read it. And we're going to read part of it today. But let's start at verse 1. At the time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire... This was the first census taken when Quirinus was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Father, thank you for this season. Thank you for the moment we have just to open up the Christmas story again and look at it fresh and new. I pray, God, for those of us who are followers of Jesus and maybe heard the Christmas story many, many years, it'd be fresh, it'd be new right now. And for those who are hearing the story for the first time, God, that you would speak hope into their lives. And then use me, God. I, church, I just ask for you to pray for me in this moment that um, I'd be faithful to, to the scriptures and, and only what the Holy Spirit's trying to get said today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. all right, turn to three people, tell them Merry Christmas before you sit down. Merry Christmas before you sit down. Merry Christmas. So Mary and Joseph are on their way uh, to Bethlehem to give birth to the Messiah. This is uh, just such an amazing moment, but, it, but it's a crazy, crazy season. Like the last few months in their life has just been turned upside down, something they never even expected. Like nine months before, Mary was planning for a wedding. Now she's getting ready to have a baby. And, and and I know the, the story, when we hear the story, we think of all the struggle of the story many times because Mary was, they weren't married and, and she was a teenager and this was going to be difficult. But let, let's, let's set, this, set that aside for just a moment, the difficulty of the story. And let's just think for just a moment about the excitement of this moment. The excitement for Mary and Joseph. Because remember, the Jewish people had been waiting over a thousand years for this Messiah to come. And now the angels has shown up and, and give Mary a, a vision and given Joseph a, a dream and together told both of them, you're it. Tag, you're it. All right? You got to, I mean, this is going to be an amazing moment for you. And I have, I just can't help but think they must have been excited. I, we have been chosen I mean, just the excitement that, I mean, just going down and registering at Messiah's R Us, and I mean, just the fun of that, you know, and Mary probably had her eyes, like, on, on, on that high chair throne, you know, the one with the big back, and it's bedazzled, you know, I mean, she just was, like, super excited, I'm going to get that bib that says, my son's the savior of the world, who's your son? <laughs> I just have a picture of Jesus with that on, it would be awesome. Uh, but, I mean, they're excited. They're, they're super stoked. They're, they're, they're excited. Come on, parents. Do you, do you remember 
that the, the, the dream stage is the fun stage, isn't it? If you're a parent, dreaming about the birth of that child is, is amazing. When you get that, that, that news and you're, you're going to have that child and, 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 and you're so excited and then you find out that it's going to be a boy or a girl and then, you, then, you, you're, then you're picking out names and you're matching names together. This name, no, that name, this name, and you're, you're putting it all together. And then you, you're, you're on Pinterest, ladies. You're all over Pinterest and you're like, I got to pick out the stuff for the room and get this and that and, and all this. And, and then you're seeing the image in your head of this baby you know that picture, and they're just so cute, and you're just like, you see the little hands and little feet, and you're like, you ever done that with the babies? You're just grabbing everything. I love doing that with my boys and my girl. You're doing the baby talk. You don't see what's coming. You, you, you don't see the late nights. You don't see the poopy diapers. You don't see the terrible twos and the terrible twelves. Some of you are like, there's terrible twelves? I didn't know there's three. Yeah, get, strap yourself in. <laughs> there's terrible twelves. There's terrible twenty-twos. There's terrible thirty-twos, okay? I'm telling you. <laughs> the older parents are like, yes, yeah, now he's preaching up in here. <laughs> but you, you, don't, you don't see it. I mean, you just, I mean, you don't, you don't see the arched back. You don't see that? Bedtime to you as a new parent just looks like, you know, oh, we're going to sit down. We're going to read a little bedtime story. It's going to be so cute. You have, you have no idea that they're going to get out of their bed nine or ten times in a night. You know, the great thing about a crib is it's one, one piece away from a cage. I just gave some of you a good idea, didn't I? <laughs> They'll never know. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's all about the glow, not the oh no. Because oh no is coming, right? But you got the glow and you can't see the oh no. And I think God does that on purpose, though. I think he does because if he didn't do that, we would never procreate. I mean, <laughs> ladies, you'd be like, you ain't touching me. And that's what you'd be doing. But we wouldn't, and, and the same thing is true with the promise. God, when God gives you a promise, he, he doesn't show you all of the problems that are coming. And I believe that God does that intentionally. And I think he does it intentionally because if he, if he didn't, you, you would never step out. Because we want the road to a promise to be smooth and easy, but it's anything but that. In fact, in Luke chapter 2, we see that the road to the promise for Mary and Joseph was, was anything but smooth and easy. I mean, Mary, Mary, Mary's pregnant, and this, this Augustus guy, the emperor of Rome, decides, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to count everybody. Oh, thanks. Good timing. Appreciate that. Okay, so now he's going to count everybody, and now everybody's got to go to their ancestral homeland. Okay, so Mary, who is, who is pregnant, Joseph is a descendant of King David, and that's important, by the way, because part of the prophecy about the coming Messiah is, and you can read it in the Old Testament, about a thousand years before Jesus ever came on the scene, that, that he would be from the line of David, okay? But I'm not preaching that today, but that's, again, Jesus is the Messiah, and so he's, he's got to go to Bethlehem. Now, here in a moment, I'm going to show you that, that uh, 
He's in Nazareth, and they got to travel all the way down to Bethlehem. And so if that road ain't hard enough, now here's the one thing. They've got to go through Jerusalem to get to Bethlehem. Now, hang on a second, because this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why, why Bethlehem? Why not Jerusalem? I mean, think for just a second. Jerusalem is the holy city. It is, it is the, the, the New York City of its time. It's where all of the people are. It is the political and religious center of Israel. It, it, listen, it's where the temple is. It's where the very presence of God dwells on earth. Wouldn't it make more sense for the Messiah, Savior of the world, Son of God, to be born in Jerusalem, but God says, no, I'm going to take you over to Bethlehem. What I like here is, is Augustus thought he was in control. He thought he was, he was the man, but he wasn't in control at all. God was in control. And what God was doing, Augustus thought he was orchestrating his plan, but God was orchestrating his plan. In fact, look, look at in, in one of the Old Testament prophets, his name was Micah. And, and he's a, one of these ones we don't know much about, but he gave one of the strongest prophecies that the Jewish people held on to. And this was it, writ, written hundreds of years before this moment. In Micah 5, 2, it says this, but you, but you, oh, what? Bethlehem, Bethlehem, oh, little town of Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past, talking about Jesus here, is going to come from you on my behalf. So here's God's using these seemingly random events to fulfill the promise of a Savior. So what, what is seemingly random in your life, what if what is seemingly random in your life could be the very hand of God at work in your life. See, what's happening and what's being orchestrated in the, in the story of your, your promise seems so random, but I want to tell you today that I believe it is the very hand and plan of God orchestrating it on your behalf. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes God orchestrates a situation, and sometimes God uses a situation, like the loss of a job. Sometimes God orchestrates the loss of a job. You're like, wait, what? God would do Yes, God would do that. Because he's got a plan for your life, and you won't quit that job. You won't move off high center from that job, and God has a plan and a destiny for you, so he's like, I, I'm going to remove you from that job. Now, sometimes, though, God doesn't do that. Sometimes it's the act of man. And a no, no fault of your own. Sometimes there's cutbacks or whatever happens and, then, and you lose the job. But guess what? God can still come in and he can use that and he can orchestrate that to complete the promise in your life. Think about relationships. Some of you have had failed relationships. Do you know that God sometimes steps in and he orchestrates the failed relationship? He gets that person out of your life because that person that you're dating is not who God wants you to date. And it's not the godly man or godly woman or the right person that he puts in your life. And he says, no, I'm not gonna have you do that. Or some of you, some of you have had the pain of divorce. That wasn't orchestrated by God. 
Might have been your fault, might have been their fault, I don't know whose fault it was, but whatever happened, happened, and God didn't do anything to make that happen, but suddenly you find yourself without a life mate, and you wonder, am I ever going to have a life mate again? And God says, I can use that situation and turn it and bring about the promise in your life. So you got a diagnosis. So I don't believe that God gives anyone cancer. I don't believe that God puts a sickness upon you. But I do believe that God can come in and he can use that circumstance. He can use that situation and move it to fulfill the promise in your life. Some of you are experiencing financial hardship. You're in a difficult spot financially. Guess what? Sometimes God will orchestrate your financial mess for you. I mean, he will rip out the finances from underneath you to get your attention, to get you back on the Dave Ramsey plan. I need to get you in some envelopes, and the only way I'm going to get you in some envelopes is to make you broke, okay? Now, sometimes, though, the financial collapse has nothing to do with God. It's just the economy, or it's the bill, the unexpected bill, or doctor's bills and hospital bills and you find yourself buried financially, but God can step in and he can orchestrate that to get you to your promise. This is what he's doing right here for Mary and Joseph. So I'd like for you to write this down. And if you need something to write on in the chair backs is some sermon notes that you can write on. I want you to write this down. Every setback, every setback is a set up for the fulfillment of your promise. Every setback is a set up for the fulfillment of your promise. Okay, come on, tell three people right now, he's setting you up. He is setting you up. This is a, a setup. Tell three people, this is a, a setup. Okay? Because Mary, Mary is Mary is full term. Okay? I want one translation says it this way. She was obviously pregnant, okay? She's doing the waddle thing like this, okay? She was leaning to sit down like that, all right? Come on, ladies, amen. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you ladies are like, don't do that. You do not know our pain. You do not know our walk, okay? Don't even do that. But listen, Mary is visibly pregnant. And guess what? She's got to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, there ain't no Uber coming to pick her up. Joseph ain't got no frequent flyer miles. There ain't no pike pass on the donkey, okay? This is going to be a haul. And, and I, I took a shot, a screenshot of Google Maps. Look, look at this Google Map here, okay? And I've been to, to Israel, and, and if you drive it, it's two and a half hours. But if you walk it, it's one day Eight hours. And this is not a smooth road. This is over rough terrain, a desertous path. I mean, here's what you need to understand. The birth of your promise will not come without delays and detours. There will be delays and there will be detours to your promise. In fact, just this week, I was um, preparing this message, and so I was going to my favorite coffee shop, in downtown Tulsa because, um, man, when I'm preparing messages, I need a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. Come on. Amen? Anybody? Come on. Amen? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the best. You want to do good devotionals in the morning, cup of coffee, a little bit of in Jesus, you're going to be in good shape. Okay? So I'm headed to my favorite coffee shop, and as I'm headed to downtown Tulsa, uh, all of a sudden I see brake lights. 
and, and I see everybody, all this congestion. And then up ahead, I see those dreaded white and orange striped signs with the blinking yellow lights. And I'm like, oh, this is not this is not happening. This is not happening. And traffic just comes to a complete halt. People are bailing. I mean, they're taking this exit and that exit. I mean, people are actually just physically getting out of their cars and goes, enough, I'm out. Okay. You ever felt that way before? Like, I'm just going to leave my car here. So I'm thinking to myself, well, I mean, I'm trying to think, what else could I do? And I'm like, okay, well, I could get off here and I could go down to, um, uh, shades of brown, but you know, that's like a hipster coffee shop, you know, and I'd be walking in there, I'd be like, hey, these are real glasses, okay? Um, and then I'm like, you know, I could go to, you know, no, I, I could go to Starbucks, you know, oh, great, white chicks and yoga pants. So I order, and I want a Flappuccino with a soy latte. And I, no, no, I'm not, I don't need that, okay? Um, so I'm like, ah, I could, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna stay. I'm just gonna stay because I love this coffee shop. Um, it's double shot coffee shop. I mean, it said enough right there. Just double shot, man. That just says enough right there. And, and I'm all in. And so I just stay with it. I stay with it. And finally, I get to, to the coffee shop. So some of you, some of you are about to bail on your promise right before the breakthrough. I mean, you're on the verge of a breakthrough, but you are about to bail on that promise that God has for you. And, and you're looking over and you're seeing things that, look okay. But let me tell you what, well, here's, here's what you're seeing out the window. Compromise. Well, you know, I'll just I'll settle with the debt. I'll just settle with this, you know, this person. I'll just settle with this person and that'll just be good enough. I'll just settle in this, this, this job. I'll just, just, I'll just do, do this. And you're, you're thinking of compromising. You're thinking of, of giving, giving up and, and walking away right before your breakthrough. But I want you to write this down. I think this will help you a little bit. Detours, detours and delays are not God's denial. Detours and delays are not God's denial. God has a purpose down every road and with every detour, you gotta stay on the road, okay? Come on, tell three people right now in front of you, behind you, on your side, three people right now, stay on the road. Tell three people, stay on the road. Stay on the road to your promise. He's going to get you to your promise. If he could get Mary and Joseph there, he can get you there. Like, despite what you see, despite where you are, despite whatever is in your way, he will get you to your promise. This is who he is. This is what he will do. So verse 6 of Luke chapter 2, it says, And while... They were there. So while they were there, in, in this seemingly insignificant place, while they were in the, the wrong place, while, while they were here, but they should have been there, while they were there, the time came for her baby. Come on, somebody say her baby. Her baby, okay? 
her baby to be born. I think Luke does this intentionally because he could have written in there, the time came for the Messiah, the Son of God to be born. That would make more sense, wouldn't it? But I think what he's trying to do in this moment is Luke's trying to convey here, Mary's a real person. It's a real girl here. It's a young lady. And she's about to give birth to a real human. This is not going to be easy for her. And it says, she gave birth to her what? First born son. That doesn't say she gave birth to the son of God. Again, the writer, Luke, I think is trying to say, hey, people, this is a real person in, in a difficult situation. And she wrapped him snugly in what? Strips of cloth. Okay, no, there ain't no purple robe coming. She didn't wrap him in a purple robe of king's splendor and glory. She looked around the the, the manger and the stable and she's hunting around and she just finds some old cloth in the corner, takes it and tears it up and to strips big enough that, okay, this I can wrap him in this. And the savior of the world is being held in strips of cloth. Listen, your promise is not going to come wrapped in a purple robe. That's what you want. That's what I want. I want my promise in a purple robe. I want it to look good. But that's not how a promise comes. A promise comes in strips of cloth or what you don't think it's supposed to look like. In fact, not just strips of cloth, but man, she laid him in a what? In a manger. You know what that is? That's a feeding trough. That, I, we've got a, a great Dane. His name's Otis. And this dog, man, he just slobbers all over everything. Do not, I mean, just, it's, just, it's disgusting. It's just, it goes everywhere. And I feed him every morning. And I've seen inside his feeding trough, okay? I do not want to touch it, let alone lay one of my kids in it, okay? I mean, but the Savior of the world was laid in a feeding trough trough because what? There was no lodging available for them. There was no hotel, motel, no holiday inn. Come on, somebody. All right, just seeing if you're still with me. Just seeing if you're still with me. In other words, this, 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 is, this was not, this is not the, the manger scene that we put on our mantle. This, this was not a hallmark Christmas movie. Okay, it's not like, you know, Mary is like this little school teacher and she's a single mom and she's got Jesus and he's like in first grade, you know, and Joseph comes into town, he's the reporter, and he runs into her. Oh, we spilled coffee on each other. And then we got married at the end and everything was okay. Bling! This gave you every plot for every Hallmark Christmas movie right there, okay? This is not that. Bethlehem, okay. He, the promise was born in, in Bethlehem, okay? Think Stroud, okay? That's what, my apologies if you're from Stroud. I'm sorry. But if you're from Stroud, you're like, oh, yeah, no, keep preaching. You're preaching up in here now. But you know, Bethlehem was like a bathroom stop. The only reason you're taking that exit is because you got to go to the bathroom. This is where Jesus is born. He's born in this barn and this feeding trough and uh, write this down. Every promise is birthed in pain. Every promise is birthed in pain. Come on, moms, can I get an amen from the moms in here? Amen, moms? Yeah, come on. Yeah, you just turn to somebody and say, he is preaching now. Come on, tell somebody right now. Every mom, you have my permission, just turn right now and say, he is preaching now. Because you are birthed in, 
in pain. It, it, it's, it's in the struggle. It, it's, it's in the difficulty. It's, it's in the place you never thought you would be that the promise is born and manifested in your life. Another prophet, his name is Zechariah, and in his letter, he says in Zechariah 4.10, this is not a prophecy about the Messiah, but he said this, do not despise these small beginnings. Come on, tell somebody right now, you're going to have to start small. You're going you're gonna to have to start small. Come on, you're going to have to start small, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. So Mary and Joseph there, they find themselves in, in Bethlehem. And honestly, this is the birth of a promise, but the fulfillment of the promise would be not until another 33 years. Like, how, how long have you been waiting on your promise? I don't, I don't want to belittle the waiting time for you, but I bet it hasn't been three decades. Maybe it has. But I bet for most of us it's not been three decades. Mary Joseph waited three decades to see the fulfillment of that promise, but what a fulfillment of the promise it would be that Jesus would go from a feeding trough to heaven's throne. Like he, he'd go from like Charlotte's web to the pearly gates, okay? From, from straw on the floor to, to streets of gold. Come on, I, I mean, seriously, I mean, think about how, I mean, from, from donkeys barking to angels singing. And you're like, some of you are like, donkeys don't bark. Just go with me, okay? I mean, just, just think about it. Think about who Jesus is. Think about where he is. From a feeding trough to heaven's throne is where he sits right now. If that is Jesus' story and you're a follower of Jesus, where is he going to take you? Like, where is he going to take you? This is who he is. This is what he wants to do. So the truth is, though, we love to tell the story after it's been written. <laughs> Afterwards, but we, we, what we despise Many times we despise the story as it's being written. Laura and I, when we first got married, my dream in my life at that time was to be on the radio. That was what I wanted my career to be, and God blessed me with uh, 18 years in the radio industry and best 18 years ever. I had a blast doing it, but it didn't start with wrapped in a purple robe. <laughs> um, I remember when I got my first full-time job, and uh, they wanted to pay me, you ready for this? $600 a month. That's, that was my entry into my career. And I remember talking to Lauren saying, this is going to pay me. And I don't think it's going to be easy. And she said, let's go for it. And so we, I, not kidding you, we literally, the very first job, literally lived in a barn, okay? <laughs> like they'd taken a barn and converted it into an apartment. I remember being in that, in that apartment and going, you know, honey, this is the way Jesus started. This is the way Jesus started. She's like, yeah, but they put him on a cross. And I'm like, good point, good point, good point. <laughs> don't despise your small beginnings. Don't, don't despise your Bethlehem. Don't despise your Bethlehem. Embrace your place. Trust the sovereignty of God. What if you trust that God is sovereign over all things? I'm his kid, and if I'll just follow him, then I'm going to be in the center of his will. See, Mary and, Mary and Joseph, they, we see here in this verse that they, they had nothing. 
Yet they had everything, didn't they? Because they were holding the promise of God. They, they had Jesus. See, if you have Jesus, you have everything you need because you are holding the promise because Jesus is the promise. So what, what that means is if you don't have, you down, I don't have the resources to get to where I, I, I want to be. If you have Jesus, you have everything that you need. If you're like looking at a, a career opportunity where you believe God's leading you, but you don't have the degree or the experience, guess what? It doesn't matter. If you have Jesus, you have everything that you need. If you're alone and you don't have the relationship that you desire, and you're praying, you're believing, God's going to bring me. A, a godly man, then bring me a godly woman, but you're not, you're not with them. Guess what? You have Jesus. You're holding the promise. He is with you. Listen, if, you, if you're experiencing a financial hardship where the money is not there, how am I going to put presents under the tree, preacher man? Answer that for me. If you have Jesus, you have everything you need. Can I sidestep for just a second? My grandparents were incredibly wealthy, a lot of money, and I got every, every gift you could ever imagine. And I, don't get me wrong. I loved every gift I got. <laughs> it was amazing. I got an evil Knievel stunt cycle. Boom. It was pretty awesome. Thank you, brother. All right. But you know what I cherish? I don't have that evil Knievel stunt cycle. You know what I cherish the most? sitting on my grandpa's lap and him reading the Christmas story. And then now I have that same Bible that the Christmas story was read out of, and I get to, every Christmas, open that Bible and read it to my kids. And if you have Jesus, you, you have everything that you need because you're holding the promise like Mary and Joseph. And I think when we look at the manger scene, I, I think that the manger scene can be a very holy scene. I mean, think about this, if, they, if there was room at the end. Think about if there was room at the end, okay? There's room at the end. would have been a completely different story, wouldn't it? I mean, this, you, this year you'd be setting up little shampoo bottles, okay? You'd be getting out a little bathrobe, a little mint to put on the pillow. I mean, that's, that's not the story. No, it, it, but when you look at it, it's just a beautiful scene. And here's what I'd like for you to do. I encourage you to do is whatever promise you're holding on to, every time you see a manger scene, just stop. Even if it's in the middle of a department store, just stop and go, I'm holding the promise. I got, God's going to see me through. If, if, if God did that for Jesus, if he took him from a feeding trough to heaven's throne, he's going to get me to my promise. And let, let the manger scene become a symbol and a sign of a faithful God, that God is going to be faithful to you. He will see you through to the promise. So what promise are you believing for this year?